0: This special edition podcast is brought to you by the Pro Bono Institute. PBI is a nonprofit organization that supports, enhances, and helps to transform the pro bono efforts of major law firms, in house corporate legal departments, and public interest organizations in the U.S. and around the world. Welcome to PBI's podcast the challenge of COVID-19 legal community in action. Episode five, I'm your host, Nihad Mansour, PBI's assistant director of the law firm Pro Bono Project. Today, I'm speaking with Becky Troth, executive director of the DC Bar Pro Bono Center. The DC Bar Pro Bono Center is the largest provider of pro bono legal help in the district, serving more than 20,000 individuals, nonprofits, and small businesses each year through staff and volunteer lawyers. When Becky and I last spoke in April, the DC Bar Pro Bono Center had already done so much to mitigate the pandemic's effects as they related to their ability to serve their clients. They were scheduling one-on-one appointments with clients and dedicating new phone lines to serving clients who normally would attend the advice and referral clinics or the court-based resource centers. They were maximizing website resources like probono.net/dc and lawhelp.org/dc for trainings, resources, and updates for volunteers and pro se litigants. Their legal information helpline was still operating 24 hours, and their nonprofit and small business legal assistance programs were conducting their claims remotely. They had just launched the Family Law Assistance Network, or FLAN, the partnership with Legal Aid of DC and the Affordable Law Firm. With seven months since April and October being pro bono month, I wanted to check back in with Becky to see how things were going. She had many updates to share with me on the DC Bar Pro Bono Center's programs that have allowed for staff
1: and pro bono volunteers to continue serving the community. We've gotten overtaken by events. <laughs> uh, and nice. and, and that, that has happened all the time during the pandemic. <laughs> so true. OBE. OBE.
0: OBE. In April, you described how the pandemic has affected the DC Bar Pro Bono Center's ability to serve the community, primarily talking about the impact of having to work remotely and dealing with the court closings. Since then, have there been
1: any new pandemic-related challenges to your ability to serve the community? Sure, well, I think the main thing we're seeing is the digital, the effects of the digital divide. Our clients often have no Wi-Fi or they have inconsistent access to Wi-Fi, and that presents that presents problems both for communicating with us, their lawyers, and for participating in hearings at the court. And the court, the DC Superior Court is keenly, and the Court of Appeals, they're both keenly aware of the problems that our clients are having accessing uh, remote hearings. And they have, the Superior Court has set up remote locations with Wi-Fi access for people who don't have Wi-Fi. Um, but it's still an issue for those who can't take advantage of that if they're immune compromised and or otherwise can't leave their homes. So we're trying to figure out if we can engage internet service providers um, to find a way to ensure that our clients can access justice um, in this new remote environment. So the digital divide is, a, is, is going to be an issue for quite a while. Second. It has been a challenge to place our cases, especially disability benefits cases with our pro bono volunteers. So even though there's a moratorium on evictions and debt collection cases, we still have public benefits cases, family law cases, consumer law and housing conditions cases that um, are going forward and we need help serving those clients. So, you know, there's so much going on in, in everyone's lives and trying to Trying to focus on the pro bono help we need is is something we hope that our volunteers will focus on.
0: Absolutely. Could you tell me
1: more about how your pro bono programs are going? Sure. So before the pandemic, the D.C. Bar Pro Bono Center was working with other legal service providers, Legal Aid of D.C., Rising for Justice, Neighborhood Legal Services, Bread for the City, and Legal Counsel for the Elderly to form a coalition to establish a single point of entry for people with landlord-tenant issues. And we were set to launch those services at the courthouse before the pandemic struck. And we were, we were going to launch on March 16th, the same day that the court closed its doors in response to the pandemic. So in the week after the, do- the court closed its doors to in-person hearings, we established a dedicated phone line to help our Landlord-Tenant Resource Center clients And between the end of March and June 1st, that line fielded 400 calls from people with housing issues. But at the same time, the Coalition of Legal Services Providers was working to establish a system to accommodate the intake and referral of phone requests for legal help. And we agreed on how to share responsibility for what we eventually called the Landlord-Tenant Legal Assistance Network. LTLAN is what we call the acronym. And LT lawns launched its live help services on June 1st and the pro bono center serves as the central point of contact for all the tenants and small landlords who call with housing issues. And since June 1st, the hotline has responded to more than 980 calls from tenants and small landlords. And the lawyers, the LT lawn lawyers normally return calls within an hour. So we're able to provide legal advice and information, and if appropriate, a referral for a full or limited scope representation within, you know, within, a, within an hour, which is really, uh, we think, quite an accomplishment on the part of all, the, all of our partners in this, um, in this coalition. And then we did talk some in April about the uh, nonprofit small business legal assistance programs. And, and that at the start of the pandemic, they were developing, we were developing programs to serve the small businesses and nonprofits affected by the pandemic. And over the summer, the pro bono center was keenly aware of the need for help with applying for the pay, uh, payroll protection program. And we served nearly 200 nonprofits and small businesses, helping them through the application process. And what's interesting is 42% of those applicants didn't even know before we told them about it that they would be eligible for the program. And in addition to helping with the Payroll Protection Act, we've been helping with a lot of issues that small businesses and nonprofits are, are dealing with, like you know, how can they reopen? Can they reopen partly? What do they have to worry about in terms of protecting their employees? Um, A lot of small businesses and nonprofits are worrying about paying their rent and whether they can renegotiate their rent. Um, So since the beginning of the pandemic, we've served a record 680 nonprofits and small businesses. So that program has been a huge help to our community in terms of being a place where they can, you know, these are small businesses and nonprofits who can't afford a lawyer and to have this resource has been great benefit and i do have to say i I think i said in april our staff has been incredibly innovative and creative and and dedicated they've been working day and night to make sure that we can continue to reach our clients
0: do you at all feel like your ability to cope with the pandemic has plateaued or would you say you're still on the step part of the learning curve
1: oh i think we're still on a we're still on a learning curve we're still still figuring out how to convert our various clinics to remote services Uh, we have advice and referral clinics that we usually held in person every month in john anacostia and people could come in with any civil legal problem and we had you know, 60 volunteer lawyers who would volunteer at those two clinics and we'd serve more than a hundred people every month. And, and we had mentors and the lawyers and the clients all in one place. And that was a pretty efficient way to, to give quick advice and if necessary, referral. But when you can't do it all in one place and you're trying to figure out the logistics of having a mentor respond to the volunteers questions and, and we have to have, we have our staff do the intake several days before so we know what issue they're dealing with because with the in-person clinics uh, they just come in with any issue and then we've got all these mentors and we can figure it out as we go along but when we're doing it remotely the logistics are a lot more complicated so we've done our immigration clinic remotely we'll be doing it again in december and then we did our first general advice and and referral clinic at the beginning of this month and so we didn't serve as many clients as we would in person. So our hope is that we can, we can sort of streamline our procedures a little bit and can serve more people. But you know, the thing is most people do have phones. So even if they don't have Wi-Fi access, they can call in and, and talk to a lawyer. The Wi-Fi is for video and it's for looking at documents, um, for transmitting documents, um, and for appearing in, in court hearings. But it is, it is helpful, even when talking with clients, to be able to just see them face-to-face. It, it just makes it seem like they know who their lawyer is, and, and it gives them, a, I think, a level of comfort.
0: In April, you noted an uptick in eviction questions, bankruptcy, employment, child custody, family law matters, and government benefits. Now that the courts have reopened remotely in D.C., What legal services have been
1: in highest demand? Sure. Well, there's still a moratorium on eviction and debt collection actions. And, and those are the cases that we think are going to be the highest volume. So, so we're not really dealing with a tsunami right now, but as I mentioned, we still have, we still really need pro bono volunteers to handle the other types of cases. Housing conditions cases are going forward. And because... Many tenants are not able to pay their rent. Landlords uh, are less inclined to repair housing code violations. So, housing conditions cases are going forward. There are a lot of family law cases. There's because of the pandemic, a lot of the cases in domestic relations, the domestic relations branch, are emergency matters, you know, trying to worry uh work out visitation and custody issues and the and the pressure the stress during the pandemic trying to deal with a former spouse or the, the parent or the other parent of your child there's a real concern about i'm sure you've heard about um, domestic violence and and child abuse so these issues require help um, and i think we talked about our uh, family law assistance network and that work that we're doing with the DC affordable law firm and the Legal Aid Society of DC, we've fielded uh, hundreds of calls through the FLAN, uh, Family Law Assistance Network FLAN, um, um, through that, um, through their hotline. And then somebody call, it's a, a litigant can call in through the hotline and then it will be distributed through the three or among the three legal services organizations to make sure that nobody has a conflict and then the next person in line will take that case and so we've been uh handling emergency cases in the domestic relations branch sometimes with 10 minutes notice our staff the attorneys of the day have appeared in court without without a whole lot of advance notice so it's, it's been a huge service, but that program was scheduled to open in a court-based office before the pandemic. Um, and then we figured out how to provide those attorney of the day services virtually. Uh, we do need help in family law cases and, and public benefits. And, and those cases continue to be, we need help in those, those areas.
0: Now that you have this experience handling court matters remotely, in what ways do you hope that the court operations will permanently improve as a result of this pandemic?
1: Well, it will be interesting to see what we learn from this. I do think that we are figuring out that you don't necessarily need to have the the person physically present to provide services or to conduct a hearing. I mean, I know that there are circumstances in which you want the the lawyers and the litigants and the witnesses there. But... I think we're learning that there, that we can cut back on the times that people have to be physically present given the difficulties our clients face in terms of transportation and childcare and taking time off from work. And to the extent we can limit the amount of time that they have to devote to accessing justice, I think the better off our clients are going to be and the, and the more effective the system is going to be.
0: In April, you mentioned the tremendous collaboration in D.C. with the Consortium of Legal Service Providers, along with the efforts of the D.C. Access to Justice Commission and the ABA COVID-19 Task Force led by Jim Sandman. Are there any notable partnerships or collaborative projects that you've established as a result of the pandemic since then?
1: So in addition to the lieutenant LAN, which I mentioned, Landlord-Tenant Legal Assistance Network, we are getting close to launching the DC Represents initiative that the DC Access to Justice Commission is spearheading, COVID-19 task force. And um, DC Represents is a, is a campaign that's mobilizing law firms, individual lawyers, government attorneys, corporations, associations, law schools, and public interest organizations, the members of the consortium to strengthen their existing pro bono commitment to address the influx of COVID-19 related legal needs. So we have engaged with the legal services providers to um, the members of the consortium to find out what their needs are, what their greatest needs are. And we are working with them to post the pro bono opportunities on probono.net, which the DC Bar Pro Bono Center Manages and so that that legal services providers can just go on to that site themselves and post their needs and pro bono volunteers can then just go to pro bono net and see what organizations are looking for volunteers and in what areas and then we're We're also posting the trainings so that people can be prepared when they have eviction and debt collection moratoriums. And so I must say the Access to Justice Commission has been working incredibly hard to get this going. Nancy Drain is their executive director and I think has been working day and night to convince law firms and and, uh, pro bono volunteers to up their commitment to our community in, in a time of crisis.
0: Could you tell me more about how the D.C. Bar Pro Bono Center has worked to expand and incorporate its racial justice efforts during this time?
1: Our staff was very, very concerned after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And we did, um, we, we are talking about having internal discussions and figuring out ways that we can reaffirm our commitment to racial justice. I mean, our work has always been at least implicitly about racial justice, but um, now we're we're making it more explicit that we know that this is you know the the problems our clients face are often the results of are are usually the results of um, institutionalized racism. And so the work that we do is trying to address the effects of that racism. Um, And we are working to, with our community, we're working to increase outreach. We're distributing flyers throughout the community in several languages, and we're distributing them to community centers, to places of worship, and to government offices to let everyone in the community know that we're available to help. There's
0: so much that's happened since March. It's a time of so much uncertainty. You know, there are highs and lows of this emotional roller coaster that we're all on. What has helped you or your staff and your volunteers
1: to maintain endurance and hope throughout this time? I'm not sure there's any one thing. Yeah. Uh, that we're doing. I'm certainly going to for a lot of walks. I've gotten more <laughs> exercise than I've ever gotten and I'm lucky <laughs> enough great. to live by a creek and oh. I can walk along the creek every day and I see oh. deer and fox. And so that's been a huge benefit for me. But yeah. I do think that knowing how great the need is is a great motivator during the pandemic. We also recognize the toll that the pandemic is taking on all of us and that people need to take care of themselves so that they can help others. One thing we've done, the BARS Lawyer Assistance Program offers resources to help when we're feeling overwhelmed. And one of their counselors did a session with our staff a couple weeks ago on how to cope and remain effective during stressful times, which I thought was really helpful. And we have the Pro Bono Partnership, which is a partnership of law firms and legal services organizations, the federal government. And we did our our annual program with Dr. Larry Richard, who is a lawyer and a psychologist, and the program is entitled, Put Your Own Oxygen Mask On First, Making Pro Bono Work in Stressful Times. Um, So we are exploring ways to support the staff and our volunteers, understanding that this work is never easy, but it is especially difficult in the middle of a pandemic. So we're, we're trying to be conscious of the, of the challenges people are facing and 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 give grace at a time like this
0: mm-hmm. my
1: my new motto instead of don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good um don't let the good be the perfect of the okay
0: i love that <laughs> looks like i'm gonna have to change my sign over here on my desk that says the perfect <laughs> is the enemy of the good
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so just just to giving each other um you know some space to to be them, to, to take care of themselves yeah. and um, to, right. to understand that we're not all operating at maximum capacity right now. Right.
0: Yeah. There's such a compassion, you know, towards
1: others and just being gentle with our growth and the growth of others. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult time, but I, the community has been coming together. And right now, I think there's a lot of interest in trying to meet the needs of our neighbors here in DC. And we are so appreciative of our volunteers and our donors. And we know that with everyone's help, we'll get through this.
0: We will. Thank you to Becky Troth for her thoughtful remarks and leadership on the coronavirus pandemic. Check out the DC Bar Pro Bono Center website for more information and volunteer opportunities. Developments in the coronavirus are moving fast, but the legal community is adapting to move with it. Please watch for more COVID-19-focused episodes as we continue to shine light on the legal sector's response to this evolving crisis. We also hope that, if you're not already doing so, you will join with those already taking action. More resources on how to help are available at www.probonoinst.org. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and be well.